Welcome on to the Backstretch. I'm WCYB's Heather Williams. And I feel after the week that was last weekend in racing, we all just need to take a huge breath. A, a scary incident both in the IndyCar race and in the NASCAR race. And then a strange incident in the NASCAR race last week. The two series will be racing together this weekend. Thankfully, Joseph Newgarden will be able to come back after passing out, after wrecking out of the race at Iowa and hitting his head. He's back in the car. Unfortunately, Kurt Busch not back in the car this week after a, a frightening crash in qualifying last week where his car hit the back end really hard and then whipped around. He has some sort of concussion, whiplash thing, injury. He has not been clear from NASCAR to race this week. So for a second straight week, the kid Ty Gibbs will drive the number 45 in the Cup Series race. I think it's really interesting that they've gone with Ty Gibbs. I, I I heard that John Hunter Nemechek is the standby driver, at least for Joe Gibbs racing. I'm not sure about 23-11. But in any event, it's interesting that they picked Ty Gibbs, the kid who has just crushed it in ARCA, crushed it in the Xfinity Series, every stop along the way. And here we are in a little contract dispute with Kurt's brother, Kyle. It's a foregone conclusion that Ty Gibbs will eventually end up in one of the Joe Gibbs cars. It's also pretty well known that Joe Gibbs Racing had wanted to keep Ty Gibbs in the Xfinity Series at least one more season, but I think by throwing it out there, by giving the kids some reps in the Cup Series, we can see if he's ready to go for next year. I think that puts a little pressure on Kyle Busch. You saw a little change in his demeanor Friday at the track as far as what's going on with the negotiations. So, I mean, I don't know if that's what the game was with Joe Gibbs Racing, but if it was, it certainly seems to be working. It looks like maybe there's some progress being made as far as the negotiation goes, but even if they're not, Ty Gibbs looked pretty good in Pocono. He finished 16th for a rookie. That's a heck of a ride at a tough, tough track. So, I don't know. We'll see what happened. The other big story oddly enough, also includes Joe Gibbs racing. For the first time in 63 years, the winner was disqualified from a race in the Cup Series. And the second-place driver was also disqualified, both for the same reason. Both teammates had a small piece of tape over the front fascia. When we bring on Chris, and I have to be totally uh, forthcoming here, the audio that you hear on this podcast every week is, is taped during our TV show. Now, not everything that we tape actually makes on the TV show. I, I tape a lot of extra stuff with this podcast in mind. So you'll hear us talking about some things and he'll be pointing to referring some things that you won't actually be able to see because this is an audio medium and not a visual medium. But you'll get the idea of what he's talking about when he describes why this little piece of tape may have been an advantage for Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. And it doesn't really matter. NASCAR has been pretty forthcoming in the fact that they have said, don't mess with the cars. Don't mess with the cars. Don't mess with the cars. Do not mess with these next-gen cars. We will hammer you. They messed with the next-gen cars. They got hammered. They're not appealing. So they admit at least that they did something wrong. They don't really have to admit whether it was on purpose or not. They did something wrong, and so here we are. Both of them are disqualified. Both of them basically lose all the points that they earned in that race. And for Denny Hamlin, you know, it's a lot of playoff points. He was going to be right up there with Chase Elliott as far as going into the playoffs with just a handful of races left in the playoff point standings, and now he has none of that that he earned last week. 
Another guy also got hammered for messing with the car at Pocono, and that was Michael McDowell. His car was one of the random or inspections that were taken back to R&D after the race, and uh, he will lose his crew chief for four races and be fined $100,000, docked 100 points. They are, they are appealing, so his crew chief will be at the racetrack in Indianapolis, but if they lose, then he will possibly lose his crew chief for four races after the hearing is heard, which I think will be probably in the next week or so. I think the appeal is probably just a strategic move by Front Row Motorsports because McDowell is such a good road course racer and it's an opportunity for him to get a win that if he can have his crew chief this week and maybe come up with a win and get into the playoffs, then he would be suspended for uh, the final four races of the regular season and then get him back uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So that's just my guess on that. But another big penalty, which, you know, NASCAR has shown they are not going to let you mess with the cars. I mean, they're just not going to do it. So I had someone ask me earlier this week if I felt bad for McDowell. And my answer was, well, he knew the rules. We all know the rules. And NASCAR has been pretty consistent on this. So do I feel bad for him? Yeah, a little bit because we're a little team that, that really, you know, is showing huge improvement and Dallas having one of his best seasons of his career. But they know the rules. And this next-gen car has created a lot of parity, cheating, especially for the smaller teams or altering or pushing the lines or playing in the gray areas isn't a big a deal as it has been in the past because everybody is so equal. So there's not really that much. I mean, everybody wants to find that little extra, but there's not as much risk reward in playing around in the gray areas as there has been in the past. So you get caught, you pay the fine, you lose the points, you move on. So that's my thoughts on that. We're going to talk to Chris. Also, my guest this week is Zane Smith. He is the regular season champion in the truck series. I had a really good conversation with him about his battle a few weeks ago with Parker Kligerman and just how clean they raced and all the praise that he got from that. Uh, he was very gracious, obviously. He would have liked to have won, but it was a really interesting conversation. I really did want to pick his brain about that race. So look forward to that conversation, and let's start off with Chris. We are joined, as always, by our crew chief, Chris Carrier, who also happens to be the crew chief for the number 75 Food Country Truck in the KB World Truck Series. And Chris, oh boy, we had our first Cup Series winner disqualification in 60 years this weekend at Pocono. We're going to talk about what JGR did in a second, but first let's talk about NASCAR's response. Too much, not enough, or just right? Uh, if it was really just a little piece of tape, I'm like underneath the wrap which is illegal, uh, still think that's a little heavy. I mean, that's like a, uh, man, that's like a guillotine penalty instead of just a not in jail or a big punch in the mouth or something, but a little bit much. But I, I, I'm going to take up for NASCAR a little bit on this because they, this whole project, this new car, is all about the parts come from a specified supplier all the parts on the car, basically all the parts on the car, the body parts included, you don't mess with them. You put the car together the way it's, they actually have a booklet of how the car puts together a manual. And 
you know, there's no body filler. I don't even think you can paint the things. I think you just wrap them over top. There's no body filler. There's no primer. There's no additions or subtractions to that. And this was, I think, a okay, we're going to show you how much we mean moment. And, you know, pretty heavy. But I think they, you know, we're going to make an example out of this, and, and th this is it. There's where the line drawn. So there should be no, there should be no qualms about it starting in the future. There's, there should be no confusion or uncertainty. And if, if I was a crew chief in the Cup Series, for sure, I would say, hey, nobody do nothing funny. You know, th this is not worth it. So what it is, what it is. JGR said it was clear tape on the front fascia of the right front and left front wheel opening. So Chris, show us where that is and tell us how it might actually help the car. Well, I think, Heather, what the, the area they're talking about is both front wheel openings in front of the tire right here on the edge of the nose piece, somewhere like in, in this area right here. They're filling this little area in. That's There's a lip right there and it's kind of helping the air go around there more efficiently. And it also gives, it probably cuts down drag and also gives more downforce too, so it's a plus plus. How much it is and how exactly they derived to do this is, is not somebody just saying, okay, I think that'll work. They, they did some arrow work, probably in the wind tunnel, maybe actually in simulation. And they said, okay, this is worth doing. And, and those two cars were pretty fast all day long and in qualifying. So uh, it apparently, it, it wasn't a bad thing. And I think it gave them some type of little advantage, they thought. I'm sure it did, or they wouldn't have done it. So anyway, a um, little bit of stuff uh, could have been done with a little bit of body filler. But as I understand now, uh, as I understand, I think I'm correct, part of the post-race post inspection is NASCAR will actually take the wrap off the cars to look at the actual body panels to see, okay, has this been messed with, or is it original? So that's how they caught it. And, you know, back in the day, everybody painted their cars and covered up all the filler or whatever. And, you know, you couldn't really see it. But nowadays, uh, it's, it's bare body parts. It's made stamped out of carbon fiber or some type of car composite material. You're not supposed to mess with it. And apparently they did. And wacka. <laughs> <laughs> and wacka. Speaking of JGR, Ty Gibbs made his debut this weekend subbing for the injured Kurt Busch. It comes as an interesting time because Kyle Busch is in the middle of contract negotiations that are not going well according to those involved. So if JGR can work out things with Kyle, if he can't, is it too soon to put Ty in a cup car? Well, from what I saw Sunday, uh, stick him in a cup car at Pocono, which is not an easy place, okay? The three corners are different. It's not an easy place for a driver. Uh, he did pretty well. Uh, he didn't tear up anything as far as I saw. He finished pretty good. 16th is correct. So I, I think, yeah, pretty good showing, pretty good audition. And let's face it, he's got a lot of talent. The kid knows how to mash the gas. And he's Joe Gibbs' grandson and he's very marketable. So listen, it's, it's going to happen. It is coming. Uh, if, it, if, if they work something out to put him in a cup car next year, I, I'm not surprised. All right, Chris, so when we were off last week because of the All-Star Race, NASCAR announced it would race on the streets of Chicago in 2022. We've talked about it before. It was not a big secret in NASCAR circles, but now that it's here, what are your thoughts on racing on the streets of Chicago? Um, Heather, I've got mixed feelings. I looked at the proposed layout 
you know, through the internet. And um, the layout really didn't impress me that much. Um, I, I thought it would be, you know, come up with something a little more challenging. Again, I said this is proposed layout. A little more character, you know, but um, I still think at the end of the day, this is a big step for NASCAR and for the Cup Series and the people involved in the Cup Series. I think it's, it's going to be a different type of racing. Uh, I hope that it will be a situation to where um, uh, Parker Kligerman and I talked about this, and he, he brought up a good point. He said, he said there needs to be enough tire fall off to where cars will slow down, and, and that, will, that will lend to some passing. I think it's going to be all about that. If, if they can figure out a way to where cars can pass and cars can race side by side, it'll be a hit. If not, the boo birds will come out and it will like, I think, I, I don't want to say it'll be a flop, but, but it'll be way less entertaining. Looking at the playoff grid, five races, just two spots left for drivers on points and there's still five chances for someone else to get a win. So. How much trouble are guys like Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex Jr., and Kevin Harvick in right now when it comes to the playoffs? Well, Heather, I, I, don't, I don't know that we can count on any more race winners. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not counting it out. Uh, I said to start with, there we're going to be 16, and we're at 14. I think right now that, that Kevin and, and uh, especially, he's the guy that comes to mind to me that, that you know, he he might could miss the playoffs, you know, and there's several other guys up and down. You know, you look at, you look at Martin Truex. Uh, we talked about Michael McDowell that's had such a good year uh, without winning a race, but with the, with the points deduction he got from the disqualification penalty at Pocono, that, that kind of really knocks it in the head, a chance for him to make it on points. So somebody's going to, I think, going to have to win a couple races. Could we have a couple guys going to have to win races? Could we have one more? Uh, very much so. But, uh, I mean, man, there are, some, there are some big names that are in jeopardy. And um, that's just, that's just the, the fruits of this system, you know. And uh, like Ryan Blaney, we talked about, I, I looked on something the other day. Somebody had, had figured up all the points from the old point system. And Blaney was like, fourth or fifth, I think, or something. Like, he was right up there at the top. And uh, I'm thinking, man, that doesn't seem real fair. But they haven't checked that win race box. And, uh, you know, they haven't been as, as consistent with this point system as, you know, I guess as they should be. So I, I think it's going to be a fight right down to the wire on who gets in. And then once it gets started, now you're going to start a, just another array of heavyweight boxing matches till the end of the season to see who the championship is. I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be uh, pretty entertaining and pretty exciting, and I think it's going to be fairly unpredictable. I haven't checked in a week or so, but I think it's still mathematically possible for Blaney to finish second in the points and miss the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's, there, uh, Taylor, with that point, the point being made is there, there's a lot of people that from my era at least and a little before and a little bit after that are they're going to use that to say man this isn't working this is not what nascar cup racing was built on you know it was built on consistency and people 
uh, Benny Parsons won the 73 championship, I think, within, or somewhere there and didn't win a race or whatever. And, and you know, people like that are, are going to say, this isn't working. I, I don't know if it's working or not, but this, this is the system that we use right now. So whoever wins the championship is going to be the championship, and there's no, not going to be an asterisk beside it to say, well, if. You know, nobody, it's not going to have that. So these guys are focused on what's happening right now. Ryan Blaney, I'm sure, Kevin Harvick, some others are focusing on what can we do to win a race? How can we win a race and not get disqualified? Uh, how can we do that to punch our way in and not have to worry about this points deal? So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, brain frying conversations going on right now in those camps. Turning our attention to the Indy Road Course this weekend, what is this road course let me start that over. What are, oh, okay. There's words missing, of course, because I wrote it. All right, <laughs> three, two. Turning our attention now to the Indy road course this weekend, what are the challenges with this particular road course and should we be running the big track? Uh, I'm gonna address the second question first. I, I, this road course doesn't do a lot for me personally. Uh, it just doesn't seem like a road course. To me, it seems like just what it is. It's a road course that's built inside a historic oval uh, or rectangle racetrack that's got a big history. Um, I, I think the road course, running the road course was, was meant to be like an option to running the big track to see if the racing was any better. Um, I will tell you this, for me personally, a racer that's raced on the big track, I've not been at the road course, but from watching it on TV and so forth, it's not near as exciting for me. There's not that element of like, we're racing at the brickyard. The, the, these, these people that have won races here and kissed those bricks down through the years are some of the best drivers and teams and crew chiefs, some of the best innovators in the history of auto racing. And to me, it takes away that aura a little bit to run the road course. And, and I love road racing. I like road racing. I'm kind of excited for the street race, but the, the, the Indy, Indy road course, not on my top of the bucket list. So we'll, we'll see. There's a lot of challenges here because a lot of the turns are not really laid out symmetrically, I guess is what I'm saying. And there's, a lot of, there's not a lot of consistency in the road course that a guy can get in a real rhythm. Um, but, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is last year that happened, they put a curb in the wrong place and tore up a bunch of cars. So may, I don't know if they'll do that this year or not. Probably not. So we'll, we'll see. I'm sure get anywhere they go right now, getting down to this playoff time, any race, I don't care if you take them out here and run them on State Street or somewhere in a, a, a muddy parking lot, the racing is going to be intense. And it doesn't matter where it's at or what they're doing. The, the, these guys are going to be, how can I get to the finish line first? How can I win this race? How can I put myself in position to get into those playoffs? That's the mindset of everybody. It doesn't matter where it's at. So uh, we'll, I'm sure the racing will be um, entertaining and we'll see what happens. Joining us now is Zane Smith, regular season champion in the Camping World Truck Series. First of all, Zane, thanks for joining us. Yeah, you bet. So talk about this season. I mean, you start with a splash with the Daytona 500 and you've really kind of, for the most part, just been on the high all year. Is this maybe one of those seasons so far, it's not over yet, but so far that people dream about? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I wish I won the Daytona 500, but winning oh, well, the, it, the truck series, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
winning the Daytona truck race is uh, always hectic. And, um, and yeah, I mean, just winning at Daytona in anything, whether it's a go-kart, a motorcycle or a car, uh, it's huge. And so to start out the year that way, uh, just carried a lot of momentum into our regular season. And um, fortunately, I was able to capitalize on that regular season championship with our uh, two other wins. And then um, now it's playoff time. And so uh, ready to get started for sure. You seem like you're a kind of guy that's been a grinder. I mean, I know you've, you've run a, a lot of late model stuff along with your truck series along the way here the last couple of years. Having to grind and kind of go into that, has this made this season a little more special? I mean, you seem to really be appreciating the ride this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I feel like it's just been the past two years of uh, the truck series for me has been so many up and downs. And so, uh, I don't know, I'm just enjoying where I'm at and uh, being able to chase race wins and now I have a championship uh, and getting to contend for a driver's championship is uh, it's just so cool to do that again and so uh, hopefully third time's a charm this year. So does the mentality switch I mean obviously you were racing for something the entire year because you were racing for that for that regular season championship, but you were really chasing wins like this season. You knew you were in the playoffs. Does the mentality switch now that the playoffs have begun? Um, not a ton. I feel like until it has to, and I feel like that's a lot of people in, in the playoffs. I feel like uh, you need to capitalize on stage wins and points. Um, but then again, you, if you win, you're into the next round. And so uh, that's what makes the playoffs just so exciting. And so I love it. Um, but I mean, during my regular season, yeah, we were chasing wins. Uh, but I, I think that we were um, myself and five others for a lot of the regular season were so close in points that we were all points racing uh, to, to go get that regular season championship. But um, fortunately, we came out on top got to ask you about two races ago um, at Mid-Ohio. That was maybe one of the most entertaining races I've ever watched <laughs> live on any level. As a driver, was it as much fun as it was as a fan? And then also, if you were in a different position, maybe not leading points or needing a win, would it have changed the way that you raced there? Yeah, I mean... Um... I definitely have gotten a lot of compliments from at Ohio. I obviously wish I was on the other side of it. Um, but no, that was a fun battle with Parker. Um, Parker is a, another clean racer. And so I race people while they race me, but, uh, to answer your question, if it was for a must win playoff position, yes, there's going to be a lot more aggression there. I think as anyone would do, but, um, uh, we weren't in that position and, and we were just, uh, racing hard. It was still a really good points day for us. And ultimately that weekend and, um, and the ones before it are what gave me my points buffer going into Pocono. And so, uh, I'm happy about my decisions and, um, and yeah, hopefully some more battles in the future like that. And, um, hopefully I get to see other people race that way as well. And, um, <clears throat> just maybe next time if I'm on the good side of it, it seems to me that it might be even harder to race that way than to just punt someone. I, I've never 
driven competitively, but it seems like it would be easier just to move someone than to really try to race them and pass them, which you did earlier in the race too. It wasn't like you couldn't pass them, but it seemed like it's harder work to do it that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, anyone could just wreck the guy, um, and just drive into him. But, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to pass him and win it the right way. And so, um, I did get by him for a stage win earlier in the race and we'd race side by side for a whole lap and never touched each other. And so, um, at mid Ohio, it's an awkward final set of corners, but, um, so it was really difficult for me to try to do something. I needed to probably be a little bit closer earlier in the lap, but he was really strong and in a lot of areas just um, need to do a better job of, of getting by him earlier, probably. All right, let's look forward. You've got uh, the playoffs ahead of you. How do you approach it? Or you, you said, you know, that the stage wins and obviously a playoff points are important, but do you target certain tracks saying, I can get a ton of points at Talladega or whatever, or do you just go race by race, just go there and get as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think you need to go race by race mostly. Um, but there's always those ones that you have circled in during the playoffs. And I feel like for me, that's Richmond and, and Kansas in this round. And so, um, those are two really good tracks for me. Um, but then again, in the, the following round, uh, Bristol is crazy. Talladega is crazy. And Homestead is, a uh, typical mile and a half and so we've shown a lot of speed at the mile and a half but um you need to have some solid points days at bristol and talladega for my final thought today i want to talk about this weekend at indianapolis the indy nascar doubleheader i really wish that these two series would do more of these kind of events they race at a lot of the same tracks i was an indycar fan first i'm a motorsports fan at heart. I like watching IndyCar. I like watching NASCAR. I like watching NHRA. I like watching fast cars. So I really wish that there were more of these kind of crossover events where you get all of the cars at the same track at the same time, because I just think it exposes people to different forms of racing they may have not normally watched. And I think that's amazing. And for those of us that are just hardcore fans of all forms of racing, I mean, it's like being a kid in a candy store. So, yes, I know we all wish that NASCAR was running on the oval-shaped square rectangle, however you want to describe the Brickyard main track at Indianapolis. But in doing that, it doesn't make a weekend like this possible, and a weekend like this is darn cool. If there was a way that they could figure out how to do both, maybe – NASCAR goes to Indianapolis twice, races the road course once, races the oval course once. I doubt that will happen because there's just not that many dates on the schedule that are available. But I love this weekend. I'm looking so forward to this weekend. And if you're a fan of all forms of racing, you really should be looking forward to this as well. Thanks for joining us on the Backstretch. We'll see you next week.